Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Hi everyone, Pastor Jeff Woodward here from Metro Church with another great grow session. You know, we absolutely believe here in this church that God wants every one of us to grow in every dimension of life. It's not just about growing in Bible knowledge. It's about growing in faith, growing in love, growing with one another, of course, as well. Growing is one of the great themes of the Bible itself. And certainly when you come to the New Testament, think of the number of times we're exhorted to grow. And so uh, my friend, Pastor David Schaefer, is here with me, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But you know, one of the areas that I find God continues to challenge my life on is in the area of generosity. You know, I remember, David, being a very young Christian and hearing about tithing. And honestly, I had no problem. I just thought, well, if that's what the Bible says, then of course I'm going to do it. There was no argument. So even though that wasn't a part of my upbringing, I just said, I'm going to tithe. And we've done that every single time in our entire life, Rhonda and I, ever since. How many years? Oh, 44 uh, years of marriage. Uh, tithe all the time through good times and bad. Yeah. But also then I remember being challenged by God to step out beyond the tithe, the first tenth, and to become a person who lived by generosity. Yeah. And uh, I think that's been one of the great adventures of life. And that's why I, I'm so unapologetic and unashamed to challenge people to give. Yeah. Because I believe that the greatest blessing for your life is not living within the boundaries of my resource and my job and my income, but allowing God into that bigger space. I think finance is a big part. So that's why I always want to pray over our giving and celebrate that and honor you for your giving. Uh, So let's pray together, shall we, before we get into this growth session. Heavenly Father, thank you for the joy that you bring to our life. Thank you, Lord, for all the times you lead us and prompt us to step out of the boat, as it were, out of our comfort zone, out of our limitations. And Lord, you help us to become a better version of us and really a better version that looks more like you through all these ways. We're grateful for that, Lord. So God, again, I want to thank you for these people and their faithfulness and their support, their giving, Mm -hmm. their generosity. Bless them, Lord. I know you are. Bless their home, their life, their business, whether they own it or serve in it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 Well, Pastor David Schaefer, in case somebody has not met you, you were last month one of the speakers, one of the ministries at our great Deeper, Stronger Convention, Yep. or as you famously (laughs) renamed it, Deeper, Stronger, Sharper. Thank you for being (laughs) with us for Grow. My deep pleasure, and thank you, Jeff, for the great leadership that you give us all. My pleasure. It's just such a joy. The two sessions that you spoke at at the Deeper, Stronger, Sharper convention, you know, I think one of the things I loved about it, and someone made this comment to me on the weekend of that convention, was that instead of going and hearing speaker after speaker with little time to absorb, there was opportunities to be ministered to, the altar calls, praying with people, totally. and allowing a word to really lodge deep in our life. One of the sessions you spoke on on the Sunday morning of Easter Sunday, which is still up on YouTube, by the way, 
So go to our YouTube channel, Metro Church WA, and you can hear uh, Vicky's uh, messages there and Pastor Dave's messages as well. But that one on the Sunday morning where you talked about uh, the workings of God in our life and the fact that really, if I could put it another way, the Christian life is not a steady upwards trajectory, but there's mountains, there's valleys, there's easy days, and then there's challenging days. And I wanted to ask you to help us navigate the contradictions of life. You know, you're the author of four books and a workbook that goes with one of those as well, so I'm going to give you credit for five. Okay. Uh, the one we did in our recent uh, session on my story was out of this one, Charge at the Dark. But then you've also mm -hmm. done the one, Smile at the Future, uh, Stress Less and Live More, all of which are available on your website, David Schaefer, S-C-H-A-E-F-E-R.com.au. Correct. Or you can get them on any one of the digital platforms as well. Yeah. But a lot of those books really are addressing the core of what we're talking about in this session. You're talking about, you know, smile at the future, even if your future right now or your present doesn't seem very good at all. Correct. You know, the stress less and live more is how do I live a joyous Christian life mm -hmm. and a victorious life in the midst of challenge? And then, of course, charge at the dark <laughs> is all about all of that there. Uh, and then your one on Grieve Upwards, which we'll come to in our next session of Grow. So can I ask you just to give us some kind of a, a Bible framework, for want of a better word, for contradiction in life? Because some people, unfortunately, I think, have been told that if you become a Christian, everything's great. It's all fixed. I used to refer to that as... And I'm not, I've never studied Buddhism, but I call it Buddhist Christianity. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just the way my poor brain works some days. But, you know, God is there while everything's good, and suddenly he's not there, and he's oh, forgotten wow. about me when everything turns bad. Wow. And um, the, the opposite is the truth yeah, of right. that. But if you, if you grow up believing that and preaching that, I mean, it occurred to me when I was, or after I preached that message on the Sunday morning, that a lot of the time God wants, uh, sorry, we have been taught to believe that God is like a nurturing mother mm -hmm. rather than a challenging father. Mm -hmm. You know, like the, the mother will say, oh, come here, darling, let me put a Band-Aid on that. Oh, yeah. and the father looks at it and says, ah, that'll only take 13 stitches <laughs> and won't it be great at show and tell tomorrow. You know, the father likes challenging and sending his children out into the potential of their adventure yeah. that lies before them. And, and he likes he likes testing them. Yeah, well. You know, you could do another lap. <laughs> <laughs> you won't drown. <laughs> Swim harder. And and so, you know, there is a tension, but I think the church is can can be sometimes responsible for authoring oh, that tension absolutely. by not you know, I think that's why Philip Yancey authored a book that had a title that went something like The God You Never Knew. Yeah, well. Well, Paul writes in First Thessalonians to that church and he says to you, I came to you as a mother who cares. And then later in that chapter he says, but I came to you also as a father who corrects. There you go. And I think sometimes we have, as you've said, we've wanted God to be just the one who 
who makes me feel better mm. rather than the God who makes me be better. Mm. You know, there's that great verse in Hebrews chapter 2, I think, where the writer of the Hebrews says this, and he has put all things under his feet. But then the next verse says, but we see not yet all things put under his feet. Right. So he's put all things under the feet of Jesus. He's mm. Lord of all. Mm. But we see not yet all things put under his feet. But then it continues on without a break, without a pause and says, but we see Jesus. And that's where I believe the church and we as believers are. Yeah. We're in that gap. Ultimately, there will come the point at the end of the age where everything will be put at the feet of Jesus. All kingdoms, all nations, all tribes, all tongues, yeah. all powers that be will be put at the feet of Jesus, the culmination of the age, and that conflict or that gap will no longer exist. But for now, until that day, we live in that space where we see not yet all things put under his feet, but we have to keep our eyes on Jesus. Totally. And, you know, when I was thinking about this, I thought, what are some of the great contradictions I've faced? Mm. I haven't faced them all, but mm. I've faced some. And one has been in the area of, of grief mm. because when my first wife passed away, I, I, you know, I mean, there was, I've got one chapter in the book that, that says, God, you're a wife killer, wow. which is one day when I just could hardly bear being me wow. in early grief. And I did what everybody else did. I was in total pain and, and um, uh, you know, I just asked him all the why questions, which is why later I went around Australia preaching the message, why is why the wrong question? Wow. The question, that, that'll never help because, you know, when we say, God, why did you do that? We're really saying, God, I, did, I wanted a different answer. Mm-hmm. And the only answer I want is if you give me the answer, that I, which, is, which means give me my wife back. Wow. You know, and then you hear from, from, well, you don't hear from heaven, but you deduce after a while that, well, Mr. Schaefer, your request has come into the halls of heaven. Mm-hmm. The panel of three have um, looked over your request and, um, look, we agree. Your complaint is justified. Here's your <laughs> wife back. <laughs> Can I commend you though, David, on for two things. One is that you are honest enough with your emotions and with God. Yeah. You know, the the whole of the, I think one of the reasons we all love the psalm so much is because the psalmist never holds back from telling God the way he does feel. Yeah. Um, and too many people think if I tell God I'm unhappy with him or I'm upset or I'm angry or I'm whatever, he'll never want to have anything to do with me ever yeah. again. I think that's one part of it. But the second thing is that I'm commending you for is that you didn't stay there because I've seen people go the route of honesty and then go, so I don't want God anymore. Right. Um, Any thoughts on that? I knew all the time that I just didn't understand who God was, that the journey of getting to know God is it takes a whole lifetime. So therefore, whenever I complain or I don't understand, it's simply because I don't understand. It's not because he's not perfect. And, and I need to, to understand who he is so I can walk with him better mm. and better as time goes by. Wow. And one of the things I've shared with people that have helped them a lot, um, the, the kind of like the lights come on for a lot of people when I say, we belong to a God who promises miracles and healings and guarantees death. Wow. There's a tension. Wow. There's a contradiction, wow. if you like, but it's not a contradiction. Because way back in Genesis says, in the day that you sin, you'll die. How do you walk, though, David, again, because, 
it's not just about the loss of a loved one as deep and as profound and important as that is. But I think of people I know who've in, made an investment and it didn't work or something like that, or they've stepped out in Christian leadership and they weren't successful. And I think about those things because I always think how you handle contradiction will determine so much of your life. It'll, a, it'll determine how happy you are. Yeah. Because there's always going to be contradiction in all of our lives. Yeah. We all are in that gap, every single one of us. There's always things. I don't know about you. I remember I had somebody once say to me <laughs> that they had backslidden. They'd walked away from God because he didn't answer their prayer. <laughs> and I looked at them and I said, what? Just one. <laughs> I said, I have got a hundred unanswered prayers at least. There are some things I've been praying for literally for years. Yeah. And I haven't seen them. I haven't seen them come to pass. I haven't even seen progress in them. Yeah. But yet, so your happiness comes up. But secondly, the, your ability to walk with God. Too many people stop because of pain. And, and please understand, I'm, I'm not criticizing someone for that in the sense of going, you're a terrible person. I'm going, I understand it. The psalmist felt like it. You know, I read one psalm the other day where he goes, God, why have you abandoned me? Why mm. have you forgotten me? Totally. But that made it into the Bible. Yeah, yeah. That wasn't just a human being uttering it. God goes, you know what? I like that so much. I'm recording that. Well, That's let me, pretty profound. Let me tell you two instances. You mentioned finance. Mm. In the early 2000s, which was th three years before Marilyn passed away, my first wife, I decided that I wasn't doing anything about the future with my finance. And I'd been very poor steward of my life. I'm a good steward now, but then I wasn't. So I decided to take what I thought was a step of faith. And um, I invested into, you guessed it, a Ponzi scheme, <laughs> which, which was, you know, really it wasn't an investment at all. It was an extreme speculation. Because like Sorry, I'm not laughing because it's well, a funny thing to do. It's yeah, a you terrible laugh thing. All you like, you know. No, no, it's just... But, but uh, I was reminded later by somebody that it's not the job of a thief to give your money back. <laughs> <laughs> and I, that didn't help me at the time. But it was interesting because I'd, I'd lost my money. I had to sell my house, uh, you know. Um, wow. and and, uh, and then I read a book written by a wonderful man of God here in Australia who said, if you've misused God's money, you need to repent. So I went back to God and I said, this is great. I've, <laughs> I've just lost all my money and now I've got to repent. <laughs> Can I just jump onto that though? Because I reckon so many people think that sincerity guarantees a good outcome. No, it's dumb. Yeah, but you know, I guarantee that if I'd asked you then, you would have said, but I, I, was, I meant well, I was sincere in my motives. Think of how many times we mistake a step of faith. We call it that. But what we are is just being sincere. And I think that's admirable that we are. But I don't know one verse in the entire Bible that says if you're sincere, everything will work out. Add to your faith knowledge, totally. understanding. Yeah. There's, there's no rewards for ignorance mm -hmm. in the Word of God. There yeah, will right. be a teaching curve, a learning curve, mm -hmm. when you step out in that state. Mm. See, the other one was um, oh, more recently, uh, before covid and this is to do with health. Mm. 
uh, you talk about a contradiction. And one of the contradictions is being sick and not getting better. Wow. Or the Bible promising something mm. and it not coming to pass. Mm. And, um, and, you know, God times these things. He mm. knows how to raise his sons. I believe he's like a coach mm. and he knows exactly how much pain mm. and how much blessing to bring into somebody's life to make them like Jesus. Wow. In fact, in the church today, if we want to create an environment where people who are going to become the big players in the kingdom of God mm. will come, we won't see it as a hospital. Mm. We'll see it as a first-grade footy team wow. where a player will come, somebody who's doing great things wherever they are. And, um, I mean, you imagine a player in a footy club saying, oh, I don't know about this club. He finds another club and he does twice the weights and they just rev, the, excuse me, the guts out of him, <laughs> uh, you know, in training and, and whatever. He says, this is the club I want to belong yeah, to. Yeah, wow. A demanding one, yeah. They, dem they demand something yeah, of right. me to get the best from yeah, me. I agree, I agree. And life is like that. That's how God looks at us. He's yeah. the father and the coach and yeah. whatever. And so before um, before COVID, I had something that was going really wrong. I was about to preach one Sunday wow. and I started to speak like Elmer Fudd, a mixture of all the Disney cartoons. And I said to the pastor, what's going on? He said, I don't know. I said, I don't either. You still want me to preach? And so I jumped up on the platform with this crazy, silly voice. And my poor wife in the front row doesn't know whether to call the ambulance or laugh her head off. That's what she said to me later. Really? Yeah. And the church is looking at me. I said, don't worry about this. I said, I'll probably be healed by the time I'm finished. You know? And, and so I kept preaching and nothing changed. And for the next 17 weeks, it got worse and worse and worse. Yeah. And I went to every specialist I knew. This is all the while believing God for breakthrough. My, yeah. my, I had one prayer in 17 weeks. God, where is my breakthrough? I knew there was a breakthrough, but I didn't, didn't know where it was wow. and I didn't know when it was coming. And 17 weeks later, here I am. I'm about to do in November of 2019. I'm about to go to Auckland. I'm holding my head up with this hand so that my head doesn't flop on my chest. What? And I'm dragging my bag through Sydney Airport to a plane that's delayed and won't go that night and then it's delayed the next morning. And in the plan of God, I get carted off in an ambulance the next morning to Prince of Wales Hospital in Randwick. And um, there's, after going to all the specialists, there's one doctor in emergency that looks at me and says, I know what's wrong with you. Wow. And I'm going, you do? <laughs> no, nobody else does. And in within 20 minutes, I was in neurology with a thing called myasthenia gravis. And um, then from there, it was, and there was my breakthrough because wow. God heals naturally, medically, and supernaturally. He gets wow. the glory no matter how it happens. Mm. And, um, and, you know, I've, I'm still on that journey, but look at me today. You yeah. never know I had a thing wrong with me. Can I ask you then, because in that 17-week period, this is exactly what we are speaking about today. Yeah. In that 17-week period, for most of us, there's the battle between faith and reason. Mm. You know, my brain tells me this, and when you are sick or if it's your bank balance, every time you go and check it, you know, it's nothing shifted. Yeah. 
for most people, I find the battlefield is their mind. The mind's not the enemy. God gave you the mind you've got. You're meant to be aware and you're meant to think and you're meant to process and you're meant to reason and you're meant to be able to acknowledge what's there in front of you. But what what did you do to stop those thoughts in your mind from running away with you completely? How did you deal with that? That's the really important question mm. because can I say I think very few people are mentally and emotionally strong enough to cope with that. At wow. the end of that 17-week period before I was in hospital, I said to Tula while we were driving around, I, my, my head almost flopped on the dashboard, and I said to Tula, I've never felt so abandoned by God. Wow. Wow. Where is my breakthrough? Wow. You're God. I'm your son. I want to serve you. I want to set people free, I, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Wow. Where is my breakthrough? And but David, there are There'd be people, seriously, right now who are a part of this session who are sitting there right now weeping, going, that's the way I feel. Yeah. And you're giving voice to that. You know, thank you for that. Keep, sorry, keep going. I just, I just go, wow. In 2006, after the, after Tula, uh, Marilyn's home going, uh, I was trying to be a state chairman, a national executive member and a senior pastor, alone and bereaved. Mm. Now, with a financial crisis because of the Ponzi scheme, I'd married Tula, who was divorced and bankrupt. Wow. So the, the circumstances <laughs> were a tad messy. <laughs> but here we were, full of hope, we'll get through this. <laughs> and... And a friend looked at me and said, David, if you don't get, now he, these were his words, but if you don't get a coach, so you can put any other word in there mm. that you need, if you don't get a coach, you will die. That's where, that's where a lot of the stuff from stress, less, wow. live more comes um, from. And uh, so uh, from 2006 till 2019, I had developed a ring, a small, intimate intentionally built ring of trusted professionals, mm. people who were confidential, skillful, and, um, uh, you know, or, well, actually, there, we only needed two, mm. two character qualities, integrity, and, um, and they were good at their jobs. How do you go with that? Because, again, we live in a world that is the most connected technologically yeah. of any civilization that's ever been. Right. You know, I don't, you will remember uh, sending, remember the emails that you wrote on that really tiny thin paper? Do you remember that? If you want to send them overseas, they were oh yeah, yeah, especially really something especially thin paper. Yeah, I remember the first time I ever went to England. I kissed my wife goodbye at the airport, and I kissed her hello when I returned with no communication because wow. you wouldn't phone it was too expensive. Well, now we FaceTime from wherever we are in the world you know, our grandchildren or our family or whatever, we are the most connected technologically, but we're the most isolated people that's ever been on the planet. We have to learn to make the best use of technology today. Mm -hmm. um, I had, I got a, no, I suppose you'd count them on one hand, five people who met different needs of my life. Right. But these were people that I could fully take my mask off right. in, in their presence uh, because I knew they were totally for me. Wow. And if they brought correction 
or encouragement, it wouldn't matter, they were for me. Wow. And so when I went through the myasthenia gravis, I never went through it alone. I don't, I'm not clever enough mm. to, to, or strong enough mm. to be able to go through something like that. You said it in a conversation yesterday, the key is in relationships, mm. but not just any relationship. Yeah, sure. These are the relationships where you can be vulnerable and open. You know, you can say, oh, I've had a rotten day. What do you say to someone, David, who maybe though is in a, a place where for whatever reason they've become isolated? How do they, what do they do? Sometimes you can't just kind of Google, you know, well, what do you do? How do you find somebody for that? I mean, obviously in church, finding a Christian leader is probably a great step. If you're already a Christian, you're connected to church. Um, what, what would you tell them? Well, it's hard to find somebody some days that's deliberately isolated, not deliberately, but intuitively mm. isolated. Um, I, I, with, with the influence that I have in some people's lives, uh, I um, mentioned to them that the worst kind of torture that, that is inflicted on any mm. POW or, you know, is, is solitary confinement. Mm. And I said, we do it to ourselves. Yeah, well. As I try to help people, I try to alert them to the fact that the automatic response to pressure or loss or, you know, adversity. whatever, mm. adversity is to crawl up a hollow log somewhere and mm. lick your wounds and wait to get better. Wow. And really what we've done is we've added solitary confinement to an already difficult situation. What about habits of the mind though, Dave? Because, you know, habits... Are, are shortcuts for life that serve you. So if you have a habit of every morning you get out of bed, you do the same thing. Like mm. for me, I get out of bed, I go into my study, I read uh, scriptures, I journal that, and it's a shortcut. I don't think every morning about how do I feel about my relationship with well, God. Big it's, one. It's just a shortcut. Yeah, yeah. And the same with mental habits. If you have, you can build a habit of gratitude in your life, yeah. whereby you say things. I love saying grace over meals. I, I actually love it yeah. because I love the fact that you stop for a minute and go, I'm grateful to God. Just a pause in the presence yeah. of God. I love church. I love worship yeah. because worship is where I'm coming and saying, I, I not only am grateful to you, but I love you. And that strengthens it. So for me, church is like, that's just a habit every Sunday. That's just, if I wasn't a pastor, I'm still in church. Because they, yeah. and it's not about the physical thing; it's about what it does to here. Yeah, you know what I mean. So for me, the habit of reading my Bible means I don't have to go and argue my way through. Do I believe the Bible or do I trust God or whatever? I just that's a starting point. When you were in those seventeen weeks with the myasthenia gravis, before you knew that's what it was. What were the things you did with your mind or what were the habits that you built that kept you from, I don't know? Have you ever heard the statement, uh, the best predictor of future behaviour is past behaviour? Mm -hmm. Not every Christian agrees with that. And in one sense, it's incorrect. Correct. It's nearly correct. Mm -hmm. But the best predictor of future behaviour is habits. Mm -hmm. Whatever you do habitually mm. will either serve you or harm you as you go forwards. Wow. And not at any time. I mean, Christianity really is simple mm -hmm. when you think about it. 
in all of that time, I had an extra need to employ these habits, but I got up every morning. I meditated. I never read the word. I meditate on the word. I talk it through with God. I mm. stop, you know, and and talk it over with the Lord. And then I declare that. I pray for, I've got a list, would you believe? I, oh, really? I, 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 <laughs> well, it's, it's like people graduate from lists in life. I, I don't, oh, really? Yeah, some people do. I love it. But I, I've got, you're on that list, you and Rhonda. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, there's a list of people. So I read the word and I pray and I meet with God. You know, one of the things, one of the things I habitually do which save me and serve me well is Matthew 6, 6. Because mm-hmm. years ago, I was praying for somebody and not getting anywhere. They came to me for healing or deliverance or something. I'm praying away. And honestly, it was just a waste of time. And in the midst of that, the Lord spoke to me and he said, Matthew 6, 6. I had no idea what Matthew 6, 6 said. It said, when you pray, go into your inner room and shut the door behind you and your heavenly father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Mm -hmm. And it says, it says where to go before it says what to pray. Because the verses after that says, now pray like this. Mm -hmm. But it's basically saying, don't pray through a closed door, walk in and shut the door behind you. And so in that moment, I learned how to, how to enter the presence of God by trying to help somebody else get in there. Wow. And, uh, and so I said, well, just, let's just follow what the word says. Go through the door. Can you see yourself shutting it? Can now turn around. There's somebody in that room waiting for you. And so many people saw God. Wow. And then, and then I'd say, what's he doing? And they'd have an encounter with the living God and they would enjoy what Jesus' blood paid for, intimacy yeah. with God. Well, I've been doing that ever since those days. Huh. The presence of God is amazing. Wow. It, it disarms you. Yeah, well. You go into that. Why would you bother just mouthing off a prayer yeah, right. when you can go in and give him a hug? Yeah, right. And so that all of that served me well through those days. I, even though when I felt abandoned, I knew I wasn't. Yeah, I right. just felt like that. Yep. And I knew there was a breakthrough somewhere. And oftentimes, you know, it's by faith and patience you Mm. inherit the promises of God. Mm. And oftentimes he's teaching you resilience and strength Mm. and anything else he wants to in those Mm. those times. That bit about repentance with the finance, (laughs) I learned some things in that. But that became a foundation for recovery and, and, and prospering again. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So we went on to build a house, pay for it. And it, these things don't matter to me. The joy is in walking with God, experiencing yeah. His plan for your life. You know, you, that's you, why we call this session "Grow." Oh, okay, because I think the stuff, mm. whatever that might look like, is the benefit. Is the the side benefit, if you like. Yeah. The primary benefit is that you grow as a person. Oh, we've been yeah. fitted for eternity, Jeff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know that. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, there's a lot in all of that there. You know, the connections part of it, the the realistic expectations of life. You know, Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Yeah. There's so many verses that say, it's okay, you know, Psalm 23, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff comfort me. 
And then it goes on, verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So I, you know, often think, well, while I'm in this dark place or this difficult place, he's with me, but at the same time, he's ahead of me and he's preparing something great. Like you went through the difficulty of that Ponzi scheme and the loss, which I think for any person is a profound assault on your dignity and your identity. How could I have been this stupid? What was I thinking? Am I a complete idiot? <laughs> all of the above. <laughs> but when you go through all of that and you, but I love the fact that Psalm 23 verse 4 says, yea, though I walk through. It doesn't say, yea, though I stop. Yea, though I park. Yea, though I build a retirement home in the valley of the shadow of death. It says, yea, though I walk through. Let, let me, can I just jump in for a Please? second? Please. I, I, my personal belief after all these years mm. is that when you're born, you're born into the valley of the shadow of death. Okay. I think I think death and eternity cast a long shadow. <laughs> it goes all the way back to where mum is in the delivery room with wow. you, you know, being revived and and, um, and that whole experience. But but one of the best things that I've heard and that I believe with all my heart is that the valleys. We think of them as dark places, hard mm. places. Not the case. Mm. Valleys are all the fertile places. Wow. There's gold in the rivers in the valleys. Yeah, well. People are, are competing with each other for the farm they'll buy or the plot of land they'll build their house on yeah, well. or the cattle that they'll grow or the sheep they'll grow. There, That's where you grow. Wow. Nobody's competing with each other for a plot of land on the top of Mount Kosciuszko. Wow. Or Mount Everest. Yeah, well. That's where you die. Good views. <laughs> <laughs> Hard to get to. Hard to get to. That's right. So to to glorify the mountaintops yeah, right. is is kind of silly in a way when mm. you think, no, this is what I'm walking through. Yeah. This is where I become rich. Wow. This is where I learn to become like Jesus. Wow. And I go from strength to strength in co- according to Psalm 84 yep. in that place. Yep. So, yep. you know, embrace the valley. There's gold in the rivers. Wow. Yeah. Well, look, on that note, uh, we need to wrap this session up. But thank you for sharing your life with us. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. Uh, if anybody wants to get your books, again, it's up there on the screen for you. David Schaefer, S-C-H-A-E-F-F-E-R.com.au or uh, just search for any of those books by David Schaefer on any of your digital platforms as well. They'll be there for you. Can I just ask you, David, uh, again, because so many people that are a part of this, I really felt, you know, when you were speaking a few moments ago that there were people who are a part of this session who are not just kind of detached observers of this content, but they're going, that's me. I'm, I'm at my wit's end. It, it can't get any worse. And there seem to be no options. And the danger is that they don't run 100 miles away from God. Mm. They just take one polite step back, mm. which is probably more dangerous than that. They wow. become a church attender rather than a soldier that's to, that continues to take risks wow. simply because they didn't understand the plan. Mm. They didn't understand the nature of, of God. Wow. So, um, you know, my encouragement to everybody is don't give up. Well, let's get you to pray for people for that, hey, right now. That'll be great. Father, we thank you. Um, uh, Lord, I've discovered in my life that there's always 
you standing at the on the other side mm. of the challenges and the things that happened that uh, I didn't understand. And Lord, I'm praying for every man and woman and teenager and child, every grandfather and grandmother, Lord God, that you will revive their spirit, that you will revive their enthusiasm, Amen. that you will revive their belief, the yeah. God, that they would they would lift up their eyes to the hills from whence comes their help, Amen. that they would stand again and and sign up again and take that that step back and say, Jesus, I didn't understand you, but that's all right. I'm going to walk with you again Amen. and run with you again and mm. rise up with the wings of the eagle. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I declare this will happen in hundreds and thousands of lives as the army comes back to strength again in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you again, David. Now, some of you that are a part of this growth session with us may be saying, you know, Jeff, I know a bit about God. You know, maybe you were raised in a church home or a, a church attending home or maybe you were somebody that uh, knew a bit of the Bible. Maybe you went to a church school, I don't know. Or you could be one of those people because there's many of them who go, Jeff, I've never encountered anything. I don't know the first thing about the Bible. What do I need to know and what do I need to do? Well, here's, I think, the crux of what this book is about and that is that God loves you that he's got a special plan for your life, you matter to God, you're significant to him, that this life we are in is really for two things. One is to discover God, who he is, and secondly is to discover the reason that he's put you on the planet. And I believe both those things are so profound, they're so wonderful that if you make that step, it's, I, I've even though I've done this thousands of times, David, I struggle to be able to explain how different. That's why I think Jesus used the term in John's gospel to Nicodemus, you must be born again. Yeah. I don't think he was trying to create a new meme. I think what he was doing was saying, look, here's the only way I can describe to you the profound difference that a walk with God and that the spiritual life that awaits totally. you feels and looks like yeah. is this. It's like you got a new life. Yeah. And how do I get that? Well, I get that by saying yes to Jesus. I remember when I did it, I still in my mind, I can remember where I was. I remember the setting I was in. And I remember the very simple prayer that I prayed without any big, you know, choir singing or anything like that. It was just me saying to God, God, I'm sorry. I've lived my life the way I th wanted to live it. And now I'm seeing that you're there for me and I really want to live it with you. Yeah. And so I want to pray with you if that's you today and you want to say yes to Jesus. And then I'll talk to you about how you can begin to grow because that's what this session's called, grow. So let me pray with you. Heavenly yeah. Father, thank you for every single person. Lord, I don't know who they are, where they are. I don't know about their joys or their griefs. I don't know about their successes or their failures. I don't know about the things they're most proud of or the things they're most ashamed of, but Lord, you know every single one of those things and you're there with them right mm -hmm. now in their home, in their office, wherever they may be. You're there with them right now and you are wanting to walk with them from this moment on. Yeah. So Lord, I pray that they will, from their hearts, simply say to you, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for not walking with you and now I want to do that. I want to know you and I want you in my life. 
And so I'm giving you my life and I'm receiving your life. Yeah. Help me to walk with you yeah. for the rest of my days. Amen. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, why don't you send us your yes? If you're in Australia, you send it to this number, 0488-826-392. Simply Y-E-S. Text that through to us. If you're outside of Australia or you want our help via email, then you go to yes.metrochurch.org.au. Either way, what we'll do, well, here's a couple of things. First of all, we'll start praying for you. No, we don't know your name. That's okay. We'll start praying for the person that's on the other side of that email and the other side of that number. And then the next day after that, we'll send you a Bible verse and a prayer. They're different every single day. You get it for 30 days and there's no strings attached whatsoever. You can stop it whenever you like. Or after that 30 days, we'll tell you that here's another segment and a topic that you might want some encouragement on. You get that, again, all for free. We'll never spam you. We'll never, uh, you know, try and do anything else with your details. We just want to help you in your walk with Jesus. So that number again is 0488-826-392 or yes.metrochurch.org.au. We would love to hear from you. I want to say God bless you. Thank you for being a part of this growth session. I pray that it's helped you. Understand too, won't you, that you're always welcome here at Metro Church. Doesn't matter uh, what time or whatever, we'd love you to be a part of one of our services. So God bless you, and we hope we see you somewhere soon.